Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. We continue, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay Billis on the Goodyear Hotline a little later in this hour as we will take a look ahead to the NBA draft, which is tonight. So during the commercial break, which just concluded, I had two things that I saw. One of them was wonderful, and the other one was horrible. I am going to share both of them with you here. Which would you prefer, Mr. Hembo, that I share first, the wonderful one or the horrible one? Uh, Share the wonderful one, please. The wonderful one is the family of Suni Lee. So you may have heard Christine Lisi just say in SportsCenter that an American gymnast for, I believe, the fifth consecutive time just won the gold medal in the all-around gymnastics competition. Her name is Suni Lee. She's from St. Paul, Minnesota. I obviously have not watched her do the gymnastics because I've been sitting here on the air, but I did happen to click on, they have this great video of a watch party that her family was having back in St. Paul, Minnesota. Bear in mind, these, these, these young people, their families can't be at this stuff. They're, 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 there's no spectators at these Olympics at all if you're not paying close attention to it. And they have, they capture the moment. Have you seen this yet, what I'm I talking have. about? It's awesome. They capture the moment where it goes up, her scores go up on the screen and her family realizes that their daughter and, and, and I, I, the parents are sitting right in the front, but there's, there's a ton of people. There's got to be 50 people in this room. But the parents are sitting right in the front. Like that moment, when they realize she has just won an Olympic gold medal, and I get choked up watching it. I, 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 can't, I can't explain. It. It's so beautiful. It's like, you know, that, that moment in when you're seeing, like, a school get into the NCAA tournament, and everyone at once just sort of jumps out of their chairs. You got one of these moments, and you just, I sit here thinking, I don't know exactly how old Suni Lee is, but she's got to be very young because all of these gymnasts are very young. Look that up for me, because I think she may be even younger like, Simone Biles is 24. She's I think 18. She's, she's 18 years old. So here's your 18-year-old. I mean, I have an 18-year-old, my son, Stephen. And, and, you know, imagine having seen her put her entire life into this. I mean, the amount of time, energy, effort, and, and everything else that goes into that sport in particular. And then to go over there, and that moment when she wins, I mean, it's just beautiful. It, it's what makes sports great. It's what makes this stuff great. It's why I'm sitting here doing this and why you're listening. Because through you, when you cut through all of the crap, all of the nonsense, all of the bad contracts and the doping and the, all of the other baloney that we deal in in sports, there is that moment where this girl's entire life has been spent in pursuit of this goal and she achieves it on the biggest stage imaginable and her family loses their freaking mind. And it's just great. So that was wonderful. And it actually had me feeling really good. Mm. And then, 30 seconds before I'm coming back on the air, Nuno, will you turn your microphone on and share with everyone what you chose to say to me 30 seconds before we came out of break? I said, I want to make sure you're aware. Uh, Don't worry, but James Morgan is taking first-team reps for the New York Jets at this time. James Morgan is taking first team reps. Yesterday it was Mike White. Now it's James Morgan. We're talking about quarterback, right? So we're two days into camp and the Jets have a quarterback controversy. They can't make up their mind who their starter is. Mike White or James Morgan? Are you kidding me? What the hell is going on here? Get the kid in camp. Are you kidding I ran into Bart Scott in the hallway while I was on a break here. I, mean, I was getting myself, myself my oatmeal, and I run into Bart Scott, and I said to him, 
What is going on? He said, oh, it'll get done by, by, you know, by the end of the week. You know, by, by next week, it'll be done. By next week? Like, they only have 20 practices. Is everyone aware you only get 20 training camp practices? They're now down to 18. Because Mike White was the quarterback for one of them and James Morgan for the other. So this is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I don't care who's right or who's wrong. Get the freaking kid in camp. So that has me all upset. So on one on one eye, I'm looking at Suni Lee's delighted family, and I'm I'm getting misty. And then on the other eye, I'm listening. I'm watching James Morgan taking first team reps for the Jets, and I want to throw up. I'm going to throw up sitting here right now, because just when things seem to be going well, like the Jets, everything was going well. We had momentum. We had a good draft. We have, we have this coach everybody loves. He looks, like a, he looks like an action. He looks like a Marvel superhero. The coach looks like he should be out there with like Robert Downey Jr. and everybody. He should be out there. He is a hero. That should be the new Marvel character, Sala, because he looks just like that. And we got him now. And we got, we got, we got the, the offensive line. And we got all these. We made all these good moves. And now the quarterback isn't, he's the only one. He's the only one in the league. Why are you looking like that? Because offset language is a tricky thing. You got to give these guys a couple weeks to get their their ducks in a row. Offset language is a non-issue. A non-issue. Offset language, that was a big sticking point for me. We, ESPN, and we, did, we, we, we haggled over offset language for months yes, before Yes, in I the got event here. that you departed to go do research <laughs> at some other network, they wanted to make sure you weren't able to double dip on your salaries in both places. That's what they're fighting over. So I, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm speechless. If you had said to me, in all honesty, if you had said to me, at what point this season will it all start crumbling down for the Jets? I would not have said day one of training camp. Like, <laughs> if you had said to me, you know, the Jets, they have your hopes up, you're feeling good about it, you're feeling optimistic for the first time, and as long as you can remember, how long will that last? I definitely would not have guessed day one of training camp. But that's where we are. In all seriousness, is it an oversight for them not to have a legitimate backup quarterback? I mean, is this, is this, does this amplify that at all? So Bart just said to me in the hallway, he thinks they'll either get Nick Foles or Blake Bortles. And neither of those things made me feel better, which is not meant to disrespect those guys. They're obviously more equipped to play than, than, than James Morgan and Mike White, which is not to disrespect those guys either. They're professional football players, and God bless them. But we drafted this kid number two for a reason, and he is the entire future of the franchise. You can add everything. At, just look what just happened. You can add everything else up. There are a few places where this applies. In Chicago. You can add up everything else. Allen Robinson's a terrific player. Khalil Mack is a terrific player. That franchise now might as well be known as the Chicago Fields. They will rise and fall on how good he is or isn't. That's it. The Jacksonville Jaguars should change their name to the Lawrences. They could be the Jacksonville Lawrences. If Trevor Lawrence is great, terrific. If not, the franchise is doomed. They're going to stink for the foreseeable future. This is true in a few places, and the Jets are one of them. And we're fighting over nothing. We're fighting over what might happen, what would happen in the event that after three years they cut them, which they actually have immediate experience with because they just ruined one quarterback and now we got another one. So just for the love of all things holy, get the kid in camp. I can't live like this. Oh, Greeny with you, brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Reddit user Ja1073 says, you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I ready for this life? 
You won't be able to go back to mediocre after this. Are you ready for this life? Find out at samsung.com slash reserve. Let's go back to the the franchise that uh, the other dysfunction. Let's go back to the one where the quarterback is in camp. He's disgruntled, but he's in camp. He's airing his grievances like an unprecedented fashion, but he's in camp. That's the difference. They have unhappy people in camp. We have happy people not in camp. But that's neither here nor there. So Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, the line on the Packers on Saturday moved from 18 to 1 to 20 to 1. And then it came down from 20 to 1 to 16 to 1. The odds on the Packers to win the Super Bowl is 16 to 1. Might I say, that's a tasty little opportunity. If, mm. if you're looking to make, if you're, if you're looking to throw some money on a team, 16 to 1, that's a really good football team. They're one questionable coaching decision away from being in the Super Bowl last year. Rodgers is coming back for his last dance. He and Devontae Adams are on a mission. I, I actually have a, a, a comparatively weak conference, a comparatively weak division, and they really only have two teams, maybe three, that I could see legitimately standing in their way. Tampa is one. The Rams are another. Maybe Washington, because you know I believe in them. But as much as I believe in them, I don't, I'm not taking Ryan Fitzpatrick in a battle against Aaron Rodgers. I, I, th- I think that at 16 to 1, what do you think, Hembo? I think that's a tasty little opportunity. I agree. That's a really good value. I mean, right, that's, that's about where the Cleveland Browns are, about where the Ravens are. It's lower than where the Rams and the 49ers are, considering what they've been the last two seasons. Like you said, 26 regular season wins, theoretically, with a motivated quarterback again. That's pretty good value. No, no. If we had to bet right now, make a, a bet that significantly mattered to you, an amount, a sum of money that mattered, and I had the Packers and you had the 49ers. You told me yesterday that you believe the 49ers are the biggest threat in the NFC to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Would you stand on that? Would you make a bet with me straight up? You got the Niners and I got the Packers. Would you be comfortable with that? Yeah, I would be comfortable with that. I mean, as Bruce Arians said yesterday, what they're, the, they're one of the top four teams, but I think they're closer to four than they are to one. The Packers? Yes. Who've been in the conference championship game each of the last two years? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is going to be, like, Aaron Rodgers put so much pressure on himself with this stuff that and what he did this offseason, right? And I think that it's just going to go slightly sideways for them this year in the playoffs. Mm. Right, he's one of the guys who has GOAT attached to his name that showed extraordinarily, extraordinary candor yesterday. We're going to get to two others coming up. But before that, I will remind you that hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Uh, up next, one of those is the greatest player ever who says there was one thing that might have ruined his entire career. You'll hear what that one thing was next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists. Like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greenie, the podcast. This is Greenie presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay Billis will join us shortly. On the Goodyear Hotline, looking ahead to the draft tonight, where we will hear names like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs call. You'll find out where they'll go. In the draft, presented by Credit Karma. Coverage starts tonight, 7 Eastern, on most of these ESPN radio stations. Very quickly, before I get uh, to where I meant to go... Hambo, am I told that we have a baseball trade? We do. The Chicago White Sox have acquired second baseman Cesar Hernandez and a rare intra-division trade between the White Sox and the Indians, the White Sox had a really, really nice young player named Nick Madrigal, a second baseman who came up and was brilliant for them early in the season, but he's out for the season. Cesar Hernandez will be plugged into second base, and presumably the White Sox will go on to win their division. They're probably the likeliest team in all of baseball to win their own division, and we'll see what they can do. But that's as talented a team as there is in the American League, and he'll go a long way in helping them. They're on one hole that they have. Right? I mean, the, yeah. the, we, we, you and I talked about them this mm-hmm. morning, that they didn't. They weren't obligated to make a move here because they're running away and hiding in the division. So the fact that they do fortify what they have suggests that's a team that's thinking about winning a championship right now. That's a trade for October. You're eight and a half games clear of the second place team in the division. The Indians, who are now trading you their second baseman. So they're giving up. The White Sox are going to win the American League Central. That's a trade you make for October. Well, look, you have an aging owner who loves baseball more than he loves anything. Mm-hmm. And that's Jerry Reinsdorf. Get him one more championship if he can. So I'm not surprised they wind up making the aggressive move. Again, as these moves come in, we will certainly let you know immediately. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Meanwhile, um, Michael Jordan is someone that I had the extraordinary privilege of being around a lot at the very beginning of my career and the very apex of his. And the one thing that Michael always demonstrated to me was the value of unshakable confidence. Like, he never questioned himself for a moment, at least not that I witnessed. And I think that that extraordinary belief in himself, belief that he could overcome any opponent, any obstacle, was one of the many reasons why he was the greatest player ever. But in an interview with Cigar Aficionado magazine, Michael says there's one opponent he's not 100% sure he could have beaten. I'm going to read you this quote directly. He said, I don't know if I could have survived in this Twitter era where you don't have the privacy that you'd want and what seems to be very innocent can always be misinterpreted. We've wondered aloud on this show and others, how would Michael Jordan handle this era? A person who found slights in nothing. A person who now has made legendary the phrase, and I took that personal. Right, That whenever anyone says anything about Michael Jordan, they always say, well, and I took that personal, because that's what he did. He took nothing personally. He received almost nothing but 
enormous praise throughout his entire career. He was beloved by fans. He was cheered in visiting arenas for the most part. He was beloved across the world. He was beloved by the media because he made our jobs very easy. He was very accommodating and nice and friendly and cooperative with us. And as a result, he heard almost no criticism. So I've always wondered about Michael in the social media age. And here he is in sort of a candid moment saying, I don't know if I could have survived in this Twitter area, which bring in this Twitter era, which brings me back to a conversation we had yesterday. And it's about Simone Biles. So I told you yesterday that Simone Biles, I believe firmly that what we are seeing in this era where so many young athletes seem so unhappy. I'm look I see it as NBA superstars. You see it now in someone like Simone Biles who feels that even in the greatest opportunities of her life, here are the Olympics, this is the pinnacle of what she has worked her entire life to do, and she has been the best ever to do it, that she receives far more strain than she does joy from doing it. And I firmly believe social media is a part of the reason for that. And one of the reasons that someone like Michael Jordan is fine now and might not have been then is the same reason that I told you yesterday that this stuff doesn't bother me. Because at the end of the day, I'm 53 years old. I have um, a fully formed self. I know who I am. I'm comfortable with myself. It took me a long time to get there, but I am there. And I also have some insulation against some criticism. At the end of the day, you can tweet at me, Greenberg, you stink at this job. And I will say, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. But I have evidence that suggests that not everyone thinks so. So... It's easy to do that when you're 53. It's probably not so easy to do that when you're 24, which is why I wanted to read you a quote from Simone Biles, because we talked about this at length yesterday. Simone Biles, when she saw all of the reaction and the response, the overwhelming majority of which from people with any sense at all was supportive of her and, and, um, and uplifting, she said, quote, This has made me realize I am more than gymnastics and my accomplishments, which I never truly believed before. If you really think about that, that's a very profound thing to say. And that's what I meant when I say you're not a fully formed person at that age. I have kids that age. I know what this is about. They have so many experiences to have before they figure out exactly who they are. I don't know exactly at what age that takes place, and I'm sure it's different for everyone. But I do know that this is one of the reasons why enormous fame amongst people who are very young has been historically so challenging. And we see it in sports all the time and we see it in show business all the time. Because if you're, I don't know, if you're, if you're Simone Biles, if you're uh, Miley Cyrus, if you're any of these Justin Bieber people who become insanely famous at a very young age and you don't really have any sense of who you are, all of a sudden, everyone loves you. Everyone is interested in you. Everyone wants a piece of you. Everyone wants your time, your attention. They want to do things for you. They want things from you. And you know it's only because of what you've accomplished. It's not because they care about who you are. And it's okay to know that at some point in your life if you know who you are. But when you're 24 years old, and she's telling you she didn't know that, She's telling you the fact that all these people are supporting me, even though I didn't win the gold medal, suggests to me that maybe I meant something more to them than I realized. That's a very, very profound statement. It's a, it's a telling statement. And again, for the second straight day, I, I offer it without solution. I have no way in the world to, to 
advise these young people on how they should go about this. Because seeking great glory in gymnastics can only be done by young people. When you get to be 50, you're not winning a gold medal in gymnastics or, candidly, practically anything else. So young people are going to continue to be in this position, and social media is going to continue to make them miserable. And, and so for Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles and on, in different ways and on different levels, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant and so many other young people who are, are, I don't want to use the word tortured, that's too strong, but who, who are made extraordinarily unsettled by the things that are happening on social media, I, I wish I could tell you how unimportant it really is. But I know that you wouldn't listen to that for me because it's the currency of your life, and I get it. I get it. It, it would be patronizing for me to say, pay no attention to that. It doesn't really matter. Because I, I, I get that it does to you. I get that it does. But if it makes it feel any better, I promise you, you're going to wake up 20 years from now and you're going to say, what the hell was I doing paying attention to what all of these people who I will never meet who have no interest in my best interests, what the heck was I doing spending any of my time or energy worrying about what they thought? You will feel that way. I promise. And so that would be my advice. Um, And I, I know that it is probably going to fall on deaf ears. But for any young people in this audience right now, if you're listening to me right now, and you are, you are being made to feel unsettled by the things people say to you on social media, if they are people you do not know, my overwhelming advice for you is to ignore them. If you can find a way to ignore them, do it. Jeff Van Gundy once said it. Never take criticism from a person you wouldn't take advice from. That's the best explanation I can think of. If I would not be interested in your advice to me, I'm not going to worry about your criticism. Just a little, just a, a little, a little thought there for you. Okay, uh, Jay Billis will join us next uh, to tell us exactly which players tonight should make the teams that draft him and the fans of those teams particularly excited. A lot to get into with Jay after this word from ZipRecruiter. You know, the football offseason is always wild with all the trades and free agent signings and new coaching hires. Teams have to be excited for the coming season. And if you want to hire people you're really excited about, team up with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Bill us next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Greeny, the podcast. All right, if all this isn't enough, we got a busy night ahead with the NBA draft. It's Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District. At Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. We got the baseball wheeling and dealing going. We got Aaron Rodgers bearing his soul. And we got Jay Billis standing by live, getting ready to head to Brooklyn tonight, right across that river from where we sit for tonight's 75th annual NBA draft. And he joins us here on ESPN Radio. Good morning again, Billis. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? Um, excellent. And let's dive into this thing here because um, there was a lot of unknown. And for those who weren't watching us on TV this morning, you said you think this is about as deep a draft as we have seen in something approaching 20 years. So that obviously um, is outstanding. Uh, but it will begin with Cade Cunningham. That seems to be a, a, a done deal. He will go number one to Detroit. Give people a sense of how special you think he can be. Really special. Uh, he's as complete a player as there's been drafted in the last 20 years. Uh, he, mm. he really does check every box that you have for a prospect. Uh, he's 6'8 and, uh, and essentially a point guard, uh, an excellent passer, handler. Uh, he's got a 7'1 wingspan, so he's got great length as a defender and is a very good defender. And he's also clutch. I mean, he shoots 40% from three. He can pull up. Uh, he can go into the post and the mid post. And so Mike Schmitz, who's a, a great talent evaluator, I think the best out there, has compared him favorably to Luka Doncic, but he's actually a better defender and probably a little bit better athletically than Doncic was when he came out uh, a couple years ago. And because Detroit has the, the one pick, uh, it's a natural comparison to Grant Hill. Uh, at, at this age, he is more advanced than Grant Hill was come, coming out of Duke. Now, now, Grant was a senior in 1994 when he came out, Cade's just a freshman and younger, but if you compare them as freshmen, maybe even a sophomore, he, he's more advanced in his game than Grant was. Better shooter, a uh, little bit more skilled, uh, but you know it's going to be hard to match what Grant did his first seven years in the league, where Grant Hill was essentially the Sandy Koufax, I think, of the NBA. Uh, and you know his first seven years were, were, were Hall of Fame, and, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I think he's all NBA caliber and uh, an all-star caliber going forward. And I don't think it's a, it's a tough decision who to take number one. All right. So that's obviously awesome. You had me at Luka Doncic and plays defense. That, that was, you had me right there, Bella. So, so then let's go after that. That, that, that feels like the way we promoted it this morning on TV was we know what's going to happen at number one. Let's give the coronation to Cade Cunningham. And then what, who are the next names that you would you would say take this to the bank these guys are going to be nba stars well it it goes to three guys next it would be evan mobley of usc who's a a a complete big guy uh especially in today's nba uh jalen green out of the g league that is a dynamic athlete and scorer and could wind up leading the league in scoring uh during his career and then Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga, uh, who is uh, another six-five point guard that's, uh, you know, an excellent defender, can handle and pass. He's uh, uh, surgical in the way he uh, takes apart pick and roll situations, and another clutch player that just has a, a knack to make plays and and big and physical, hard nosed. So those are the next three, and that's why it reminds me so much of of two thousand and three. You know, look, I'm not saying anybody's LeBron. That would be impossible to suggest. But if you'll recall in that draft, when we got to the fourth pick, the decision was, well, who do you take? Do you take uh, Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh? You, know, you can't really make a mistake there. And I think it's similar with, uh, with the second pick here. You know, do you want the dynamic scoring of Jalen Green? Would you prefer 
the huge upside of a big guy in Evan Mobley that can block shots, run the floor, uh, is a great pick-and-roll defender that can switch off on a guard, actually guard that, that guard, stay in front. Uh, and is a, a very good offensive player that's going to get even better? Uh, or do you go with Jalen Suggs, who in a number of years, those three guys could be number one overall selections in, in a lot of drafts in the past. Uh, but you get further down, Greeny, and there are guys like Moses Moody from Arkansas, mm-hmm. who's a, a, a big-time scorer and defender. Uh, you know, you, you got a bunch of players in this draft that uh, in other years, you know, they may slip out of the lottery in this this draft, but would be lottery picks in other drafts. That's how deep this draft is of, of really quality talent. So throughout the first round and into the second, there are going to be really good NBA players that are going to be available. So every reason in the world to be watching tonight, they'll be on ABC and ESPN, and the coverage will be here on ESPN Radio as well. I got Billis with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. While I have you, Jay, I wanted to talk a little bit, um, and we touched on it briefly on TV this morning, but, but, but a little more in depth into the enormous changes that are coming to college sports as we know them. And, and we've talked about it a good deal on this show here, and obviously you cover the college basketball game for us as well as anybody. Um, a few weeks ago, we got name, image, and likeness, <laughs> and I've got Nick Saban on TV with me telling me that his quarterback is going to make a million dollars in endorsements before he even steps foot on the field. And I have people asking me all the time, Jay, do you think this means kids will stay in school longer? So basketball is really where we get the term one and done from. What is the answer to that question? Do you think that young players will be more inclined to go to college slash stay in college based upon their their earning potential, which I suppose on some level in some places could be limitless? Far more likely that they stay in school longer and make the decision that rather than go into the NBA now, uh, you know, you're making good money, you can have a chance to develop and stay in school. So it's more likely, not necessarily for a Kate Cunningham type that that can go and be the number one pick, but for, for guys further down the line, more likely they stay but it's also, Greeny, more likely that they stay at the college they're at without transferring. Uh, I think, look, we've got a flood of transfers now because of the change in transfer rules and the transfer exception, all that stuff, and the fact that we had a pandemic, extra year of eligibility for guys. So there's a, there's a glut of players in the portal. And the portal was a dumb idea, period. But, um, you know, it, it, there's, no, there's no portal for coaches that want to, you know, want to leave jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, they go get another job and all that stuff. So that, that was kind of a stupid thing for the NCAA to do. But, um, but that aside, uh, I, think we'll, I think the NIL makes it more likely because players are going to be making money that, they'll, uh, that they'll, they'll, they're more likely to stay where they are. And, uh, and I, I think that's a good thing overall. And, uh, and look, money is going to be a factor. It's not going to be the only factor, just so, like it's not uh, the only factor in taking a job. You know, not everybody goes for the most money, but it's a factor. Uh, so it'll be a factor for the players. And look, I know some of the older coaches don't like this because it, it, they, don't, they lose an element of control that they've always had, and it's different. And, and they are older. You know, it's mostly the older guys complaining about this. Um, but I think it's going to bring an element of fairness back into things, and uh, and I think it's only going to be a good thing. I, I look at it a little bit like the the drinking age. You know, you, you can sit and say, hey, should should people be allowed to drink when they're 21? Because that's going to raise all type of problems. 
well, yeah, you're going to have guys that drink too much in a given situation and maybe get a DWI or so, but the overwhelming majority are going to handle it pretty well. And I think that's the, the case with NIL. Greeny and, and uh, Jay Bill is with me here on ESPN Radio. What impact will it have on the sport, though, on parity, on competitive balance, on what the game looks like? All of those things, because I don't have any sense of it, and, and almost every conversation that I hear about it is about football. But as one who loves college basketball, I, I would ask you, how do you think that this new frontier will impact the game? None. I think it'll be exactly the same. That I think, you know, using Alabama as, uh, football as an example, uh, you know, the easy thing for people to say is, well, that's it. All the best players are going to go to Alabama now. Well, most of the best players go there now, but not all of them do. And you're not going to have the three best quarterbacks on on the same roster because two of them aren't going to want to sit behind the best one. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, you're going to see a situation where you, you, Jalen Hurts is going to trans, still going to transfer, uh, so as not to have to sit behind Tua Tagovailoa, stuff like that. And you know, if you took a, an economic view of it, a strictly economic view, uh, and and applied the logic that coaches seem to apply to to this then you would have all the best coaches on one staff. You know, you'd have Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Ryan Day all on the same staff because Alabama can pay the most. But they're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. That's not the way economics works. Uh, And as long as there are roster limits, players are going to be spread around just fine. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, So, you know, we've a lot of people have fought against this for years. But once the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, took the NCAA to the woodshed, uh, and and you know loudly proclaimed that the NCAA's rules have been violative of federal antitrust law. Uh, that is going to open things up, and it's going to go in the future way beyond name, image, and likeness unless Congress does something. And that's what the NCAA is hoping for. Like the NCAA has been diminished, and and they've had to punt on a lot of these rules to the conferences and to uh, to individual schools. So you're seeing more consolidation of power uh, among conferences. And we're going to see that going forward where the conferences are going to get bigger and stronger. And uh, and they're the ones that are going to be making the rules going forward. And, and so what does that look like? Like, you know, Jay, you understand this stuff so much better than I do. I, I just sit here and follow it from a comparative distance. But you suggested on TV this morning that, that maybe the SEC and the ACC might wind up merging. I'm hearing about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten possibly merging. Is the Big 12 in, in danger of dissolution? Like, when it all kind of settles, what would it look like and what would it mean for someone who's just a fan of sports and wants to sit and watch games? It, well, you're going to see the best playing the best more often. So in football, look, I, I happen to believe that 130 football teams can't be competitive with one another, that, that, that it's just a pipe dream to think that that could happen. It doesn't happen. And it's, it's, it's doubly true in basketball where you've got 354 teams in Division One. They are not competing on, a, on the same playing field. It's just They're just not. So because uh, media is so important and ticket sales, all that stuff, we're going to start seeing the powerful play only the powerful. And, you know, fans just don't want to see these directional school games anymore. They, 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 they went to them and watched them and consumed them in the past. They don't want to see them anymore. They want to see the big shots play the big shots. And I floated the idea of, a, of an ACC-SCC merger years ago, back when John Swafford was the commissioner, uh, because I think it, 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 the geographic rivalries, the markets align very well where you could basically have that combination be the equivalent of the NFL and the NBA in college sports. I still think that's a smart way to go about things, 
but we're going to see consolidation of the game at the very top. And I think that's appropriate. And Greeny, it's smart because if you have an upper division that is separate, that is going to be the most attractive thing to the best players. So you're going to have uh, more talent spread out over fewer units. And that means you're going to have more powerful rosters. You're going to have more stability. You're going to be able to absorb a transfer or somebody leaving. Uh, It's the smart way to go about it for the business. And and if we've learned anything over the last 40 years, it's been while the the NCAA and all the member institutions talk a good game about student-athlete experience and what this is all about, it's really about education, their actions have said it's about money. And that's okay. Like what we do is about money. What almost everybody does in every business is about money. It can be about other things too, but it's first about money. And I don't think you have to look any further than the decision of Oklahoma and Texas recently to go into the SEC that these decisions are about money and markets and a multi-billion dollar business. And now the SEC is going to be a, a multi-billion dollar conference and start bringing in you know, over a billion dollars a year uh, just with the addition of, of Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, so we're going to see more of that going forward, not less. It's Jay Billis, who's just outstanding again tonight on the draft. You'll see it on ABC and on ESPN, and the coverage is here on ESPN Radio as well. Have a great show tonight, Jay, and then we got to get out and play some golf at some point this summer. Looking forward to it, Greeny. Thanks for having me. All right, you got it. That's Jay Billis with us. Here, my buddy Bilas, um, and that's one of my favorite stories. Oh, I should have had him tell it, but we're, we're going to run out of time here anyway. But in the moment, we have you want me to tell my my, my Bilas story, so uh, I, I won't I won't waste the time with it here right now. Well, let, let's let's get into what he just said. What he just said is we are headed towards a place where, in college sports, the illusion that everyone is competing against each other, that everyone is sort of on the same level is going to be taken out of it. And that's all that it is, is an illusion anyway. Don't let the fact that one 16 seed one time beat a one or that the occasional 15 beats a two. What they're doing in some of these smaller conferences and is wonderful in its own way. It might be even more meaningful, but it's not meant to be on the same level as what they're doing in basketball at Duke or Kentucky or any, you know, these kinds of places. In the big picture, is that good for the sport or bad for the sport if they narrow it all down to just that hembo? I think it's good for the sport. We don't, we don't, you don't see the Golden State Warriors play the Sixers G League team for a reason. And Jay's right. That's what it feels like. The spreads that we get in college football are sometimes five, six, seven touchdowns. What reason? What for? I sort of like, I sort of like his idea. I, it's going to take us a little while to get there. But now that the dam has broke, it's, no, it's not obvious to me why it wouldn't improve the, both the quality of the sport and then the fan experience as a result. We need to set aside some more time for this. The reason those games exist against mm-hmm. the quote-unquote directional schools is A, the big teams want to have like exhibition games, and B, those directional schools get a bunch of money from mm-hmm. it. They will not have football programs if they can't play Alabama, if they can't play Ohio State. or They don't do that in the Big Ten. But if they don't play some of these games, that they get paid a fortune to show up and get trounced. That, that's their lot in life. They get paid you know, seven figures to come play this game when everyone knows they're going to lose by 50. But that's what keeps the football program afloat. So there, there will be a lot of, um, a lot of un, unexpected consequences to all of this. But... I still agree that in the long run, it's the best thing. All right, enjoy the draft tonight. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place, on ESPN Radio.
Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.